I'm in a series, or we're in a series, Sheila will be ministering next weekend on family matters, but I want to talk about today resolving conflict. Today, you know, no person is will never not deal with conflict. It's just a part of life, and how you respond and react is the key. It is a part of life, and having a healthy way to do it in a biblical way is the way we get through relationships, and sometimes it's unpleasant, it's not fun, whether it's a family situation, whether it's an employment situation, or some other situation. Conflicts are never fun to deal with, but God's Word has many answers, and I want to first talk about the root causes. There are four causes that I want to address today concerning conflict. The first one is simply this is poor communication. And over in uh, Psalms 141, verse 3, Psalms 141, verse 3, uh, and I could go the entire time today on this, but it says, set a guard, O Lord, on my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. That is such a key. And it even says in verse 4, do not incline my heart to any evil, I'm sorry, yeah, do not incline my heart to any evil thing to practice wicked works. You say, Pastor Brian, is that with your words? Absolutely. And notice what it says there. It says, set a guard. Set a guard or a watch over your mouth. And again, there's so many verses of Scripture, especially in Proverbs and throughout the New Testament, about the power of words. But the first thing that absolutely will destroy a relationship is communication that's in a place where it's poor and it's not thought through and it's destructive and divisive. And we're going to look at that more in just a second. Number two, the second thing is unfulfilled expectations. Over in James chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, notice what it says. James chapter 4 verses 1 and 2. Look at this, and it says this in the New King James Version, James chapter 4, verses 1 through 2. It says, where do wars and fights come from among you? Okay, (laughs) that's a good question. Do they not come from the desires for pleasure that war in the midst of your members or on the inside of you? Notice the next verse, verse 2. You lust and do not have, you murder, and we don't do that, but, and you covenant, you covet and cannot obtain, you fight and you war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. And of course, there's a spiritual principle there when it comes to asking and receiving, but really the real cause of a divisive relationship is an unfulfillment, an absolute dis- dissatisfaction in that relationship. You're poorly communicating with that person, you're not giving the best in communicating to that person, or vice versa, and then there's unfulfilled expectations because of our flesh, because of the warring we have in this environment that we live in. And what happens then? There is this conflict that arises. But how do you deal with it? Well, we're going to get to that in just a second. Number three, there's despising of differences. It says over in Mark chapter 3, verse 25, this is despising differences. This is interesting. Jesus said, if a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. So what does that mean, Pastor Brian? That means when there's division, when there's separation, and you despise those differences. Even in a marriage situation, you know, Sheila and I, from the onset, were different, and we're different today, going on 30 years of marriage. But that that difference, is, in my opinion, is what makes us stronger and unifies us. She sees one thing one way, I see another, another thing another way, and I think that's good. I think when you have a relationship, especially in a marriage situation where it's all one way, I don't think that's necessarily healthy. You need that difference, even though it's not fun to deal with. It's never fun to have a relationship where everything is completely opposite because it has this word, this four-letter word in the middle of it, and you know what that word is? It's called work. (laughs) You have to work at communicating. You have to work at these expectations and these desires. You have to labor to get into this place of unity. And when you despise the difference between the two parties involved and you despise the fact that this person's not doing everything your way, 
then absolutely you're the one to be reflective and looking in the mirror, not necessarily them. Because it's not all about you. Hello? It's about a relationship. There's a, there's a unity there that we're seeking. But Satan, what's he want to do? He wants to disunify. He wants to have division. What's the word division? That means there's a splitting of the vision. And God has a vision for a relationship, especially in marriage, and that is to have a covenant relationship. But we're to have a relationship with one another. And uh, I've never seen in my lifetime, especially growing up in a political home, more divisiveness and more destructiveness and more, uh, how I say it, uh, just a complete disunity have I've seen in the United States government, especially in Washington. It's, it's, so, it's so discouraging. Again, I grew up in a political home, and so I've seen it where I thought that people would do the Ronald Reagan philosophy, which is something my dad, who was a, a leader in the Democratic Party in the state of Alabama a long time ago, um, um, you know, they believe that we could agree to disagree, but now we have a place in society where there's my way or no way, and there's no, there's no meeting in the middle, and there's this continued conflict. And again, one of these things is absolutely despising our differences. You know, we can be different as Americans, but still be unified. We can be different in our marriages, but still be unified. We can be different as far as believers and still be unified. I love what Dr. Billy Graham taught me in the years I was with him from, 2000, from 1988 to 2000. I've served as a part of that organization and their crusade team simply as a volunteer. I had the opportunity to go to work for them, but I chose the fact that one day I'd be doing what I'm doing today. But I have a deep respect for Dr. Graham, but every crusade, every meeting, every executive team meeting that we had, there was always this one underlying thing when it came to working with churches. We can all be different in doctrine. We can all be different in how we approach the gospel, but we're all unified under the name of Jesus Christ. And I just love that about Dr. Graham and the entire organization and in working with him and working with his organization, I've never seen a more diverse group of people, but more unified under the umbrella of Jesus Christ. And that's the same with you and I. However, the fourth area, which is a major source of conflict, is the sin nature. And Romans 3.23 simply says this concerning a sin nature. It says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's this sin nature in the earth. And it started, of course, with Adam and Eve, and it prevails today. But unless you're, when you're born again, that sin nature is suppressed in you, and you're renewing your mind, and you're saying, hey, I'm not yielding to the laws of sin and death. I'm yielding to the law of the Spirit of life in Jesus Christ in Him. I'm going to make this relationship better. You say, Pastor Brian, you know, what about conflict? I mean, I understand what you're saying in these areas, and these areas are important. Well, listen, there are four ways to deal with conflict. I love this. This is very simple and just, just cutting right to the point here because of the time sake that I have here, the time frame I have here. Four ways, simply this. There's your way. I mean, your way. I mean, my way, your way, halfway, or God's way. <laughs> <laughs> my way, which is completely benefiting to myself, your way, which is, I don't want that necessarily, but I'm going to look at that. Number two, I mean, number three, excuse me, it's halfway, which is my way and your way. And then the most important, let's all say it together, God's way. And what's the best way? You are so smart today. You are brilliant people. And you're absolutely right. God's way is the best way. I like to say this, God's way is the only way when it comes to resolving a conflict or a situation of disagreement. Now, you can run from it, which a lot of people do, and you can stand on point number one and say, hey, it's just my way, and you can try to wear that person down and overcome that person if you're a dominating person and the other person is passive. I mean, you can do that. But however, your way and their way, then them doing 
doing that and yielding to that is not always the best way. I mean, yes, it's good to be halfway, but it really comes to a place where you say, Father God, how do I make this situation work? And, and by the way, that's looking in the mirror. That's looking at yourself first and saying, you know what? Maybe I said something I should not have said. Maybe I did something I should not have done. Maybe it's my fault, first of all, in this relationship, and maybe I'm you know, expecting too much of the other individual. Maybe I'm demanding of them something that really I should not be, and I'm despising the differences. Oh, how many times in marriage counseling have I heard this with people? Man, if my wife would or my husband would just be like this or do this like this, and they actually despise that difference. And yet they don't look at the good. They don't look at the other attributes. They're focusing on one particular thing. And when you focus on one particular thing the entire time in a relationship and don't see the good in that person, then you're beginning to be blinded because of the fact you're just, you know, this whole one problem area is all that you're seeing. And you're not seeing the fact that God loves this person. God has a plan for this person. And if I'll pray for this person, if I'll believe the best for this person, then maybe this situation will change. Conflict, and I'm going to share some things with you. Conflict cannot continue without participation. It cannot continue. As a matter of fact, it says, I like this point number one, I will act, I will act, not react. That is such a great statement. And I, again, I didn't get this. This is from Dr. John Maxwell. I will act and not react. What does that mean, Pastor Brian? That means simply this, I'm going to act, but I'm not going to react to that situation. And how many times I've had to learn to do that, especially in marriage, especially in differences with my family, not this particular family here, but my family in Alabama. I chose to act and not react to the situation. That's what it says in Ephesians chapter 4. Watch this. This is a very good verse of Scripture. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26. Watch this. It says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. What does that mean, Pastor Brian? That means don't be a place where you are so infused with hatred and anger that you're going to let it rob you of your sleep. Because it says right here, be angry and do not sin. Because when you get to a place when you're really, really angry and want to give a person a piece of your mind, then you're going to get into a place where it's dangerous. As a matter of fact, it says here in this verse, well, the rest of the verse, verse 27, excuse me, notice what it says here. And give no place to who? The devil, wow, <laughs> anger and this bitterness, this resentment by you acting in a way of hostility, what does it do? And it's giving place to the enemy. You say, Pastor Brian, they hurt me. They damaged me. Okay, let's just take you from there. If they did do that, I understand that. And they're completely in the wrong. They're completely in the wrong. They did something to you that's absolutely wrong. Your position is simply this. I'm going to give that to the Lord. I'm going to let the Lord fight my battle. As a matter of fact, we're going to get to that. But I am not going to act in anger. I am not going to act in hostility. I am not going to do that. I just refuse to do that in the name of Jesus. I'll never forget as a young man. I was down in the state capitol. I was working down there. I just started there, and I was working in the governor's office, working for the pro tem of the Senate, and I was actually working in and out of the governor's office. And this man uh, came to me. It was right in the elevators in the state capitals, just this area where it just seemed like everybody would congregate to ride the elevators up and down. And there was this politician, uh, he was a state representative, and one time he cornered me in those elevators, right in front of those elevators, and he was attacking me because he was attacking my dad. And then he said these statements. He said, well, I heard you're a Christian minister and, uh, you know, you just now went in the ministry. And uh, so I just want to let you know that, you know, I, I love the Lord, but, you know, I disagree with your pro-life stance. And I said, well, 
I've never said anything about being pro-life, but I am pro-life, but I've never said anything about that and made anything public. But he just he just hauled into me and he said, I know you I know your dad and you know and who you are and all this kind of stuff. And he was just attacking me and raising his voice at me. And man, it was hurting me. And here I am at, you know, 20 years old, just became a Christian, just got in the ministry. I'm just down here just trying to serve in this job and you know, represent the state of Alabama and do my part with Senator John Teague. And I mean, he was just throwing himself in me and he had me backed against these, there was this big glass type silver elevators where you could see the reflection of yourself. I mean, he was just hauling into me. And finally, some friends of my dad came over there and just sort of backed him off and backed him away. And I went to the Senator Teague's office and I went in there and I thought, man, Lord, you know, uh, and, the, and the more I thought about it, the madder I got about it. Because, <laughs> you know, I love the Lord. I love him. And, uh, yeah, I'm pro-life, but I didn't, that's, that's no reason to attack me. And I love my dad, and that's the reason I'm here. And the more angry I got about the situation, and I just, just, I just started to call my dad and say, you're going to do something about this guy. He attacked me, okay? And let's take care of it. But then I just paused and said, you know what? I'm just going to give this guy to the Lord. I'm just going to give this man to the Lord. So I went and found him. I went down to his office and found him. And he was shocked when he, I came in the office. Here I am, just 21 years old, full of red hair. Hard to believe now. But anyway, I said, I just said, so-and-so, Mr. So-and-so, you know, representative so-and-so. I said, you know, I, I love the Lord, and uh, I love my dad, and I'm here to serve the state of Alabama and whether you disagree or agree with my values, this between you and the Lord, but I just want you to know, I'm not going to be angry at you at what you did. You publicly humiliated me in front of those, uh, you know, those elevator areas in front of peers that are my dad's friends. And I said, I'm not going to call my dad, and I'm not going to respond and react to you. I'm simply just going to give you to the Lord, and I'm going to let God deal with you. That was on a Tuesday, the opening day of session. On Thursday, Thursday, his son got killed in a car accident. And he came to me Friday that day. He was in the hallway, and we were all um, just acknowledging what had happened, the tragedy of what had happened. And he came up to me, and he said, You know, what I did to you was wrong. What's happened to me is horrible, and uh, God's going to change my life. And he said, You know, you're a really young man. He said, but most young men your age would have cowed down to me because of who I am. But he said, you made a stand for the Lord Jesus Christ. And I said, I just want to let you know I respect you. And these are the words he said, last words to me. He said, I wish my son was the man that you are because my son wasn't because I was the wrong influence to my son. Ladies and gentlemen, it's powerful how you respond and react. And again, all glory to God for not getting me to a place of anger, because I did. I wanted, I, I mean, my hand was trembling. I wanted to pick up that phone and call my daddy, and my daddy would have made things happen quickly, and I could have gone to Senator Teague, and Senator Teague would have really gone to this man. But I chose the Lord's way. I chose not to give place to the devil. Now, again, what happened with that man's son was just a tragedy. It had nothing to do with me, okay, and not even what happened to our situation. I'm just telling you, it was a tragic thing. But let me just say this. When you choose to react the best way you know how, in spite of all the emotions, God will honor it, and God will bless it, and God will turn it around, and God will help you. Let's look at number two. I will focus on the good things in you. I love this one. And I tell you what, when people are going in the wrong direction, notice what it says here in Philippians 4.8. Philippians 4.8, watch this. I'm going to focus on the good. It says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely. Everybody say lovely. 
and of admirable. Think on these things. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. I mean, think about these things. Think about the good in someone. Even when you're, you say, but Pastor Brian, you just don't know what they're doing to me. I still, I'm looking for the good. I am focusing on the good things in you because God made good things in you. And God made good things in them. Respond, respond, regardless, regardless of the situation, I'm going to focus my thoughts on these things. Because when you focus on what's true and honorable, right and pure and of love and even admirable, when you think about these things, then God begins to bring you a peace in that situation. He he begins to let the anger and the bitterness and the resentment move away. And you know what? I'm just not going to participate in this battle. Now, listen, I'm not going to let anybody run over me. I'm going to stand my ground. Even in that elevator situation there, I stood my ground as a young 21-year-old man. My point with that is simply, how do you respond and react? I mean, you can get in a fight. You can get in a cussing you know, match. You can get into a hatred match. You can do just the opposite. You can take your thoughts and just dwell on hatred thoughts towards that person. Or are you going to believe the best for that person? And when you're in a political environment like that, you need to be believing the best for people, in my opinion. <laughs> you need to see them as God sees them and not be moved by what you see, but only be moved by what you believe. And so number three, number three, I will apply God's grace to you all. This is a good one. Romans 12, 19 through 21. Notice what it says. Romans 19, I mean, Romans chapter 12, 19 through 21. Check this one out. They got it up there too. Watch this. It says this. Uh, it says, the beloved, do not avenge yourselves. Watch this. But rather, give, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine, and I will repay, says the Lord. And that's one thing you got to do. You just got to give it to God. Notice the rest of this verse. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. In doing this, you will reap coals of fire on their head. Kindness. Everybody say kindness. Oh, Pastor Brian, I can't do that. But hold on. This is what the rest of this verse says. Keep on going. I think we got one more verse. There it is. Do not overcome, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Oh, I'm telling you what, ladies and gentlemen, that is the thing to do. Applying God's grace to a situation. Refusing to respond to that situation. When somebody attacks you, let them attack you. If they attack you and, they, and you stand your ground, you stand in what you believe, that's great. But you're not going to be overcome with evil. You're not going to be overcome with anger. And you're just going to not be overcome with resentment and bitterness. You're going to give them to God and let God handle that situation. Let Him handle the situation. When you give it to Him, He will take His time and he will do what's right. Many of you heard my story about my dad's situation in, in, in Alabama, that court situation when he was falsely accused and how that thing turned around. God took that and flipped it around to the glory of God. And yes, it hurt. Yes, it was a problem. Yes, it was not easy to watch your parent be in the news, to see your family's name on the headlines of a local paper constantly during that period of time. But I just kept giving it to the Lord. I kept, I kept saying, God, I, I just give this to you. I know that there's not, something's not right here in this situation. And may the truth come out. May the truth spark open the drill thing that what happened here, that it's a political witch hunt. And sure enough, when we got that call one afternoon, my mother did. I was, it was the most awesome thing. I just happened to be at the house, and she got this call. She said, there's, a, there's an FBI agent just called me. I said, well, what happened, mother? She said, well, the district attorney that's accusing your dad is about to be indicted Tuesday for, for grand theft over $147,000. 
that they stolen from the county, and they just wanted, they did not, uh, they did not tell who they were. They just said an FBI agent just said, we wanted you to know that this thing is now turned around, and there will be an indictment this coming week, and the person that's prosecuting your, your parent, your dad, is actually about to be prosecuted. Wow! <laughs> How about that? You say, Pastor Brian, did that happen because of prayer? Uh, yes, it did, but it also happened because I stepped back and stood away. I said, God, it's your turn. I will apply your grace to it. I know you love my dad. I know you love my family. My dad did not do what they're accusing him of, and I'm asking you to turn this situation around. Again, I did not realize what was going to happen. I didn't realize it was, I just wanted the truth to come out that he did not do anything wrong. And however the prosecutor did, the whole thing changed and flipped, and it was all resolved and settled. And the most beautiful thing, not only did the devil be exposed, but one of the most powerful things that happened is, uh, I wasn't there to see this, but it was pretty neat that happened. My dad, you ever heard of Hardee's, you know, the Hardee's restaurants? Anyway, uh, my dad went to Hardee's with uh, Senator John Teague, the man uh, that I used to work for, a good, dear friend of our families, and he, he's alive today, just a precious man of God. He looks like Clark Kent. <laughs> he just looks just like him. I mean, got the hair and everything. Anyway, he took my dad to breakfast at Hardee's there in Talladega one day, and, uh, and now again, this is many, many years ago, so it's going to sound irrelevant now, but the, the, all the lawyer fees and everything for that trial situation were right at about $9,000, okay, which was a lot of money back there, you know, in the, in the early 80s, so anyway, or mid-80s, excuse me, anyway, we were at the Hardee's, my dad and him, and he had a, he had a little clear plastic bag, like a freezer bag, and he had $10,000 in cash, and he just put it on the table, and my daddy said, that's the best sausage and biscuit he's ever had, <laughs> I said, really? I said, all right. He brought that money home, and uh, my mother was happy because they'd pulled that out of their retirement, and uh, God restored it. Amen? And uh, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful for God's turning things around because you let him handle the situation. He knows how to. If you put your hand on it, watch out. It's going to be a mess. Number four, number four. It says, I will remember God's love to us. 1 John 4.11. Notice what it says here. 1 John 4.11. Watch this. Verses 11 and 12. 1 John chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. It says, Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we should surely ought to love each other. Now think about this. The person that you may be in disagreement with. Watch this in verse number 12. It says, No one has ever seen God, which is true. But if we love each other, everybody say love each other. Love each other. Believe the best for each other. God lives in us, and his love is brought to full expression through us. I think that's the most beautiful thing. Out of this whole court situation with my dad, uh, one of the jurors and I became very, very close friends. As a matter of fact, to this day, he's just been a great friend of our families. He's done a lot of things for our family there in Goodwater, Alabama. Actually, he's uh, done some restoration work this year on the farm just just as a gift. He, he's helped me out. He's encouraged me. Uh, we've become great friends. Uh, a couple of months ago, I was back in Sylacauga, and I went to church with him and his wife. And, you know, how God just absolutely, you know, when you love people like that and they love you, I mean, just the, the bond that we have, and you remember the goodness of God, and you work with people and work in situations, and God turns those things around, and he brings relationships out of that you never thought about. I'm telling you what, the Lord, and, and when you respond and respond, when you respond and react to conflict God's way, there's just something about how he deals with that that's different than the world. 
And I just want to share with you some things I learned recently from my professor at uh, uh, SUM, where I'm going to seminary and actually going to graduate school. There, there are 12 things I just want to share with you that in resolving conflict. As a matter of fact, when I took this course, at the second half of this course, I did not realize that in ministry and business, as well as in other situations, how, how conflict is not really addressed correctly. And I found these 12 things. I'm just going to go through them real quick. And if you need copies of this, I'll get it to you. But um, this, is, this is a part of what I learned this time. And of course, each point has an entire you know, synopsis with it. But it says, number one, learn to embrace and resolve conflict. That means don't run away from it. Don't run from it, but address it. Address your, everybody say your, address your anger appropriately. So how are you responding, reacting to that situation? If you're going to get angry, you need to get your anger in a self-controlled situation. Now, look at the next one. Seek, watch this, seek understanding, not victory. Let's say that together. Seek understanding, not victory. That means you want to seek a resolve to this situation, not just you being right and victory in this situation on your part, okay? Now, again, if you're in the right, I completely understand for victory, but you want to seek understanding. How did this happen? Why did this happen? And understand the way that it happened. And number four, assume the best. What does that mean? Assume that God will turn this thing around. I kept telling my mother, and it was hard because, you know, that's your husband going through something. I said, Mother, God's going to turn this situation around if we trust him. And what's been restored from us will be paid back sevenfold to us. And it was hard for her to embrace that. But at the same time, not only did we get the money back, my dad got a new vehicle that was given to him later. And then another successful campaign came into his life that absolutely brought a whole bunch of additional income into our family, all within a 24-month cycle and period of time. And God turned that situation around. But it wasn't my parents' faith necessarily, but it was my faith assuming the best. I kept assuming the best. And as a matter of fact, at that time was the decision that I had to come here and work or work for the ministry that I came to serve back in 1993, which was Jerry Savelle Ministries, and either I was going to stay in Alabama and pursue some things there or come here. And I just knew that I was supposed to come here and let God take care of that situation, assume the best of that situation. And sure enough, when I moved here in 93, things accelerated for my parents, all because I obeyed God and stepped into where I am today. And not long after that, I met Sheila. And not long after that, I traveled and did 316 churches. And then I started this one, and I'm standing before you today, all because I didn't look for necessarily the victory. I, I looked for seeking understanding, how, how God is going to move in these situations in my life, how he's going to bring my parents and I together. As a matter of fact, my parents were concerned by me moving off. It would, you know, it would divide us, and yet it brought us into a more unified uh, relationship. I had a better relationship, with my, even though I had a good relationship with my parents, I had a better relationship with them by moving here. I, begun, I became closer to them. Notice number five says, learn to share your feelings appropriately. That's an important thing. You need someone you can communicate with and talk to, especially in resolving these situations. Number six, watch your words. Everybody say that. Watch your words. <laughs> Ask, is it true? Is it kind? Is it necessary to say that? Is it necessary to post that? Is it necessary to send that text? Sometimes text and Facebook and email messages, you know, they're not necessarily perceived the way that the spirit of the this behind it. They can be misread and misunderstood, can they not? You, you, you meant to write it out a certain way. Sometimes when I really want to say something to Sheila, I mean, I'll send a text appropriately, but there's just sometimes where I just have to send a, I have to call 
her at the appropriate time in the appropriate place to really communicate it because I can't articulate it through a text. Number, the next one, or the next seven, please. It says, speak the truth respectfully. That is so important. Watch number eight here. Attack the problem, not the person. Let's say that together. Attack the problem, not the person. Number nine, deal with specific areas. Don't generalize things. If you're in a situation where you're trying to get to a place of, of agreement, don't just, just, you know, broadly just address it and go after it. Number 10, seek and grant forgiveness. That's so important. Be a person of mercy. You said, Pastor Brian, they're, they're not merciful. Why should I be merciful? You're merciful because God is merciful. Number 11, deal with it personally and go to that person. Don't go in a roundabout way. Like I say, don't go through other people. Go directly to that person and find a place where you can communicate a place of understanding and a place of understanding. And then finally, number 12, this is so true and so right. Be gentle, even though people can be uh, harsh and bitter and put up walls and they can be, you know, uh, they can put up this front. People on the other side of that are fragile. And uh, even though they may be strong, they are still fragile. Some of the strongest people that I've met in my life and ever worked with and been associated with, yet on the same time, they had issues they had to deal with. And you have to approach those people in a way. I'll never forget, I was with Jesse DePlantis one time in California and and we were in a hotel, uh, one of those concierge, not concierge, but one of those areas where you're eating. And it's just him and I by himself. And he had just had some horrible news that happened to him. It's just, had, just him and I in this breakfast area. And, you know, here's the man I actually was working for. But, you know, I saw this, uh, even I saw this man that I considered invincible when it came to the things of God. I saw him hurting and, uh, and again, about a situation with his daughter and her husband, her first husband. And yet I was just there to, to bring words of comfort and words of ease because people, in spite of the fact they can look so invincible, can be so fragile.